Episode 30 of The Passive Hang, it's Fayon here. Remember, check out the website, thepassivehang.com, where I'm building it up to be a library and a resource for all you movement enthusiasts. For all those listening, you're welcome to contribute to this library of information. You can find details on the website, thepassivehang.com. Thanks, guys, for joining in once again. We're up to episode 30, the big three zero, and I have Josef Fruchek on the podcast. Welcome to the Thank show. You yeah, very excited. Um, I came across Joseph's work a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, just started popping up on my feed. And at the start, you know, I was kind of like, what is this? You know, it kind of looks crazy. You got the ball thing going on. You know, that's always an eye catcher, I, I, I guess. Um, and then sort of at the start, sort of was like very, really confused. But then at the, as I started getting more and more and then some of my friends that I um, have encountered started getting into the practice so I was like oh this this seems like a really interesting area so um, I guess from your side how have you sort of seen Fighting Monkey develop over the years? Well thank you for the question you know um, we never really regulated that image um, so um, it kind of all started from the seed of um, me and my wife, um, Linda, that was also a, a champion in sport gymnastics and has a great sport background. And um, she has also very powerful um, um, art background and is now director of one of the biggest uh, festivals in, in, uh, in Greece. And then I also have a strong sport background and also been working in art for many years. And so we kind of met together and... Um, started to practice together and slowly um, kind of started to formulate the language around which we could uh, kind of communicate our ideas. So yes, over the time it kind of formulates by itself like an organism. So it is mm -hmm. a complex organism, so it has to be, if it's complex, then it must be kind of emerging by itself and shouldn't be too much regulated by the mind of one or two persons. Mm. We also like to involve our students in the process. So um, that means that it, there is kind of decentralized knowledge and that decentralized knowledge allows us to create more dynamic system. Yeah, it's quite interesting like that because um, I think as you sort of spread, right, and you even grow as a brand, right, you kind of have to assume these definable forms, which I've kind of mm. seen now you're starting to come up with, you know, there's a zero forms or coordination, even practice ball, that sort of thing. Um, do you? Do you find them like quite helpful in describing what you do and you're teaching your practice or, uh, you know, when people start to get to know you, do you, do you find that you have to sort of rewrite what they're expecting when they come into the fighting monkey practice? Maybe for the listeners, I, I would maybe first explain like what, what is a little bit like the inner core of, of our our practice or our practice. We, we mm -hmm. are very much interested in basically in communication coordination and collaboration we find it biologically but also as 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 kind of very important a key point uh in our life right how do we communicate because we cannot communicate right and so we are finding a different ways of through which we can convey our messages to the other people and somehow i say to my students that you need to learn how to speak 52 thousand languages <laughs> and i'm saying that kind of abstract number because um each person that is in front of you carries with themselves a different context and you need to adjust your language to them. 
So if you learn something automatically, if you learn something through photocopy, you cannot alter the language because you learn from description. But when you learn from the experience, when you've been somewhere, when you've seen the mountains, when you went on the journey, you can retell the story in many different ways. And so, yes, the language is always evolving. But uh, we need to kind of help people, especially the newcomers, to somehow make them understand what is it that we are doing. And, and so what is it that we are doing? And, and in essence, we could say that we kind of learn how to observe, modulate or change the energy and information flow. And we are not doing it through only abstract thinking, but we are doing it through various practices, writing, sculpting, moving, performing, um, and many other. Okay, so I guess when, because I'm coming more from like the the movement culture, you know, very, very physical side of the of, of the community, I guess. So when you view or describe the fighting monkey practice, it's not just like in the in the physical. That's it's like way more broader than that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, everything has to start with the body right? Because we do not have the body, we are the body, we are like this living organism. We do not have to also make the division between mind and the body and make all these kind of things that have been attached to us throughout our cultural development, especially in our Western thinking. So we are that, we are that organism. And so we have to start with the body and we have to start with the practice. That's our earth, that's on which we are placed. So of course the physicality is there, but without that physicality without that individual practice being kind of combined with what we call movement situations means that place where you can study and test what you learn and how do you have to learn it and which kind of variabilities you can come up with in an uncertainty of the world. And then further expansion, if you cannot forecast what might happen in the future, and which kind of thinking models or moving models you are using to solve the troubles of the life, then the system would be very incomplete. So training every day may be yoga, CrossFit, Tai Chi, um, some kind of form of meditation, without the ability to test the knowledge in a various uh, contexts, and without your ability to create kind of meta-analysis. So thinking about the way you are thinking, the uh, kind of understanding what's the philosophy behind it, understanding your capacity to uh, create a story around it, create a narrative, create a maybe um, a research method, right? Um, that, that system would be very incomplete. So we have these three layers there, which is like an individual practice, which we call zero forms, where we are looking how we are aging. We are looking how we can slow down that entropy, that disorderness of the organism. And then we are studying that knowledge in communication with other human beings in different domains, as I said, in maybe in writing, maybe in sculpting, maybe in fighting, maybe in dancing together. And then as a third layer, the, mo- the kind of the, li- uh, the, uh, the umbrella for all, it, all of it is how do we communicate? So what are the effective communication strategies in our life? So we can function as a, as a complete human beings and we can go and present ourselves verbally or physically. Okay, so in that communication layer, what does that uh, sort of look like uh, practically, like you mentioned before in the other layers, like, you know, sculpting and working together with a person on that, on that final layer, what does that look, mm-hmm. look like? In a communication, right? Mm-hmm. So um, communication, you could imagine, if, as people haven't been in our workshop, but let's try to imagine that we are in a black box, 
right? The black box is um, what we could consider like an empty space that there is no light, there are no words, there are no ideas, right? So that kind of abstract mm. space, similar to one that you would see in the theater. You sit in the chair and then there's this darkness and the performance is just about to start. But you're creating your own performance, right? So we bring an idea and that idea creates a, some kind of formulation. So maybe there's an idea, oh, there is me in the space. Where am I? Where do I come from? So you can start to create kind of performance-like system. You create some kind of re-representation of the world. You're looking on how from unconsciousness, you can bring something into consciousness. You project onto yourself, right? Because you can create many different scripts, many different um, theater plays, so to say, in mm -hmm. order to understand better who you are and how you can formulate your ideas, right? So me as a, being an artist and being in the director also directing um, um, uh, theater shows or writing scripts, writing, um, um, writing text for actors, each time when you start to create a show, you come up with a simple idea. It can be a name of the show. Let's say we had a stones and bones. We really needed that kind of framework. We have a stone and we have a bone and how do they relate and how, what is their common memory? And slowly you start to create a world and that world was always there, but you were not aware of it. You just brought it into an existence. So this would be one way we would be working also with our students in kind of long-term projects to come up, understand how many selves they are and how many worlds they are to discover and how they can kind of broaden out their capacities to express themselves through many different colors and shades. There is not only one Feyen. There is many of them and mm -hmm. in, in different circumstances, the different, you're like a plasma, you're like a living organism that can kind of readjust itself to a new environmental um, challenges. This sort of reminds me of that scene, I don't know if you've seen the, um in the in the final matrix and keanu reeves is sort of staring <laughs> at this scene where there's like a thousand different keanus you know yeah. with different sort of possibilities that's almost like yeah, yeah like it, it, is this practice like the keys to the matrix right because then uh when you become aware of all these different narratives that you can can walk down then maybe you have more power of choice as to which one you actually want to walk down right of course, because you would not like, especially in our times, to cement yourself, you know, like this is who I am. No, you can mm. be many other things. There was this very a beautiful writer and actor who, um, very successful, I think, won also Oscar. And he, he was in his 40s and he said in his, one of his interviews, he said, um, when I was 40, I still didn't know what I'm good at. Right, he was already good in many things. I mean, he mm. was already a kind of superstar for people in literature and in theater and so. But he was still kind of searching. the 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 search wasn't done for him. Mm. And I would wish that all our all our participants, everyone who is kind of taking the journey with me and Linda, uh, feel empowered to understand how many new possible transformations they can go through in order to understand how much more they have and they were not aware of. And is this sort of what you're searching for in continuing with the practice? Well, um, first of all, I, I would like to have an energy surplus, right? Because we, the, what is the tragedy of humankind? You know, we know that, that we need to change. We even know what to change, but we do not have energy surplus to do so. Hmm. We are so habitual, not because we are lazy, necessarily lazy, but we, 
have no extra energy and so to say extra time to work on ourselves to give time to things and transformation um we are like what what the the psychology of people that are creating the programs and like a movement programs for other people they always kind of create a kind of overly simplified and overly kind of certain programs that where you will allow a transformation happen so let's say someone offers you a 12-week program because they know that you have no more time and you cannot project in a far future because your kidneys are weak or your liver is weak you know your liver mm. as in chinese medicine your general your vision so you can project somehow in the future and kind of organize the strategy around it we cannot mm. think too far because we are so depleted and more depleted we are more easily we fall for simplified models that only introduce certainty so i promise you that if you do this you will have a six pack or if you do this you will be more stretched but of course there is nothing given for free so if you're looking for more range for example in your motion or you're looking for more for your healthy hips or you're looking for removing the chronic pain in your back how in the world you would expect that this would happen over the few weeks changing something habitual something that got you into that um, state of imbalance to rewire that or to kind of allow a transformation in your neural system it takes time and it needs time and that then and the time is necessary because it is a journey you don't want to rush through it people also like to tell to you oh they are these intelligent guys and they read so and so many books a week but if you read so many books in a week how much really you understand what was written in those books Mm. you can go through one book a one year and you will learn so much there is so much of depth right but we are always rushing through we never give time to ourselves and that's the biggest kind of challenge for our transformation mm, there does always seem to be this like zealous hunger towards information right um and i like this mention what you're saying about this like energy surplus um part i guess uh, yeah what's your view or your approach to cultivating energy well um that's a very broad question but um it requires like um a constant love you know you mm-hmm. it, it requires a constant um love for observation so cultivation of energy or kind of ability to observe the energy to modulate it in some way or change it if necessary and that's only in um, in the last possible case um it requires learning how to spend time with yourself and how to spend time observing the physical and social environment and understanding the patterns that might be beneficial to you or not beneficial and so that something would have to change um so it's much more than just oh i start the morning and i do all my meditation and this will have a positive effect on my um learning or on my lifestyle unfortunately it doesn't work that way the training has to change into a practice practice that can infiltrate into every single action of your life into your cooking the way you're walking the way you're standing the way you are solving the trouble the way you are looking at the face of your children the way you're playing with your kids that's a correct practice and this is what we've been kind of uh, looking for and trying to kind of see what could be the what could be the um some kind of school of life where this would we would allow them to cultivate something like this this approach to life in general yeah i guess um 
like what you were saying, almost like, you know, I do my meditation and then maybe I get happier or I do this program and then I get a six pack. It's almost like this transactional way of viewing life. And I've heard you use this term before where it's like man as machine or that a lot of programs out there almost treat us as machines. Would you be able to sort of explain a little bit more about what you meant about that, that concept? Mm-hmm. Well, um, again, it's, um, it's, I, you, you need to allow me to simplify, but mm. let's say, what, what is the main purpose of what comes to my mind now? The main purpose of machine is to dump vibration, right? Mm. So imagine that you have a car and it transmits too much vibration. So you might lose a wheel while you're driving 100 kilometers an hour in a highway. So you have you dump the vibration, and so you have a better a better output of that of that machine. You also design that machine for a one single purpose, and the role of the engineer is to sustain that um, integrity of that machine to that one to, to do that one particular pre-designed and kind of um, action or function of that machine. But now imagine this: if I'm talking to you right now. Do I want to dump one <clears throat> dump vibration? No, because if I dump one vibration in my body, it means that you cannot hear me because my voice, um, my air that is leaving me is kind of allowing to vibrate my vocals and my vocals, um, the vibration from my vocals is being amplified by the um, surrounding cavities, my chest cavity, my neck cavity, my nasal cavities, right? And so I need to amplify the vibration. And as I'm amplifying my, my vibration, I am able to communicate. So that would be like a one simple example why we would not be machines. And we are also not made out of the parts that, parts that could be taken apart. There is a beautiful synergy. The complex system is, you know, the fitness of our body is that we have, um, we have a cells that maybe have a different functions, but they cannot exist by themselves. Not one cell can take a function of another cell. We really need to live in a synergy as an organism, as a complex organism, multicellular organism. And so everything is about collaboration, coordination, the way you're sound and vibrate, not only within yourself, but also with the other people. So I used to say this, this beautiful story is when I was a kid, uh, after I came from the summer holidays, I always wanted to see my friends and share the stories, right? I wanted to co-vibrate with them, to share my energy, to share my excitement from life. But as I came home, they were already somewhere outside. And so I, was, um, uh, I always had to ask the parents where they went, which direction they, they went. And when I went on the, on the direction, then I had to ask other kids where they could be. And so what's kind of a search in the time space where these guys are? And until I found them, I was kind of ready to tell the story. I could not say it immediately. There was some kind of time delay that allowed me to kind of reformulate the stories. So my excitement went a little bit down and I was capable of sharing it in a more kind of organized way. Mm. But at that time, I was really hoping like there would be a laser and I could see where they are and I could find them immediately. And that became a reality. Right. So now we have a mobile device and I can find you whenever I want mm. and I can tell you anything instantly. But there is not this time delay. I maybe, you know, I how are we going to meet each other? In other words, so I want to meet you. So what do I need? I need a location. So I need a 3D. Right. I need to locate you in a universe. 
but that's not enough because you might come one week earlier or one week later. So I need also time dimension. So we have a, we have four dimensions now already placed together. So this is how we met in this podcast, but there needs, a, there needs to be present another dimension and that other dimension is a communicative dimension. So this is like a fifth dimension. Am I able to share something with you in a right time, in a right place? And do I articulate my story in such a way that you can understand me? Do I use the language that will co-vibrate, that will attune to you and you'll be able to understand what I'm talking about? And somehow we lost that capacity to find a correct time space because we are all very knowledgeable, right? Everyone knows everything. But the problem is that we know everything, but these things usually happens in a wrong place in a wrong time. Mm. right so to find that right time when to act and when, when to not to act is is very very important and it's necessary that we that this is being a little bit practiced in our life so i flew a little bit away from what is machine and what is human being but i think like these aspects of that we are not pre-designed to do one thing but we could do many things and no one knows what human body was designed for, right? This is evolutionary process. So there are these major differences of how we vibrate and how machine would not, or we would not like it to maybe uh, vibrate. Mm. I think that was a beautiful example. And it got me thinking just sometimes of these moments, some, when you feel at wavelengths with another person and you're having this conversation and both you feel this energy transfer, right? You walk away and both of you are like charged, right? If, if you're seeing from, from eye to eye, but um, maybe what you're pointing at as well is maybe the, the way that this modern world is developing, especially with marketing where you have to almost transmit like a singular message. And then that singular message is kind of cutting, cutting through and heard. And then that can come through as maybe more, as you say, like do this and get why type, yes. type mentality, which is kind of, uh, yeah, blocking us. And so maybe in a practical sense, when people will say, okay, okay, how do they, how, so what do they do in that fighting monkey, right? So many different ways to practice this, and they are very elegant and beautiful ways through communication training on, on which I have kind of completed my PhD in university. But um, for example, what we are now working mainly on, in, especially in our practice of movement situations, we have body-body practice. And body-body practice is based on how two bodies, they communicate. And there, there you have these two basic martial arts, right? Common to whole um, planet, whole human development. You have a striking martial arts and you have a hugging martial arts of wrestling, right? And a striking can evolve into boxing or throwing something, an object, or it can be a, a Muay Thai, or it can, be a, um, it can be kickboxing, or it can be whatever type, depending on which culture and which geographical position. And then we have a wrestling styles and they can develop into healing arts. So because I touch you like a baby and I touch you and you develop properly, then I twist your joints and I hug you and I roll with you and you become that wonderful person. And that out of that comes all the um, hands-on um, uh, healing arts like osteopathy, physiotherapy, um, Alexander technique, um, body-mind centering, etc., etc. And then on the other and you have these martial arts like judo, jiu-jitsu, uh, contact improvisation, etc. And so in these two forms, we can very clearly see 
how do you communicate and how you are finding your time to communicate in boxing it's not only how much you strike but what is your timing what is your rhythm how you place your feet how you read your partners what kind of dynamic strategies and counter strategies you create in communication with another beautiful human being and in wrestling as well because this is like an ancient um it called spali um in in ancient greece it's like a cradle for uh for wrestling and this is also you know you have this beautiful circle and the beautiful circle also reminds us the circle of traditional african dancing of warrior cultures when we dance when we when we coordinate when we attune with the music and then we wrestle and similarly in greece also in circle wrestling finding out communication finding out gentleness in communication because we know very well if you push too much with your strength you will be overcome and your joints over a long time will be broken so to say and with these layers that you mentioned before like is there a specific sort of order which people are introduced to before they say reach mm-hmm. that communication layer mm-hmm. no so if if we both agree and our listeners agree that a human body is a complex system then the linear lineup would not work even if this is the maybe most popular way of teaching people hmm. um, when you have a baby when your baby was born the baby sleeps the baby is few months and then eventually you find a little bit more time and you start to share stories with your children right or with your child and you come in the evening and you open up a book or maybe you know the story yourself and you tell them the story now are you telling them story only with the words they do understand or you tell them the story with all the words that been in the fairy tale of course you use all the stories so you do not adjust the story to the level of their um understanding of the word so you use the whole complexity and the kids they will pick up the words that they know they will imagine what the other words they could be and those that they cannot understand they will kind of fill it up with their fantasy and this is very very important so similarly in learning process you throw them in the complexity of the world right like children they they stand up and they fall many times and they bump into the corners of the table and they drop the uh, food on the floor and instead of feeding their mouth they're feeding their eye and their ear and their clothes are all dirty and i want that our our practitioners are also getting so dirty like children because mm. children are so incredibly creative and they don't know what's going on the world is so complex only what we do why the parents are around it's kind of creating um lovely base out of which they can explore the uncertainties of the world and they're there to explore the world with joy and with the power being empowered to an internal strength to be able to fail and not worrying too much about failing right and so when you would be teaching someone why would be creating a level 1 level 2 level 3 you 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 start your you start your wrestling class and so first you're going to do footwork and then you're going to do the arms and then you're going to learn something about your spine no you meet that person and then person hugs you and starts to throw you and twist you and you slowly within that complexity of the world you're finding your amazing language then the language is being born out of somewhere right slowly the puzzle is coming all together instead of someone comes and tells me look i have the solution to your learning i have the best 
uh, lineup. First, you have to learn this, and then you have to learn this, and only then you have to learn that. And that's kind of very arrogant, you know, because we are, there is such a great diversity across even the same species, right? Across the human beings, there is a great individual diversity. Now, maybe if you want to learn mathematics, I agree, there, there must be some kind of lineup, even though, even in such a strict science, right? You need to create a love for that math. So you have to come up with many stories that they require for you to wonder and imagine, right? But in a movement, like you said, you like this movement, moving culture or whatever, um, allow people to come up with their interests, to come up with the, with, the, with, the, with the domains within which they would like to develop. Imagine that I come and I say to you, to be a good mover, you need this and this and this and this. And that somehow I culturally define what is good and healthy for you. Mm. And, that's, and that's very arrogant approach. And it's also very limited linear approach, but the world is no linear. There is nothing in our world that is linear. So why are we educating always people in this way? Why are we prescribing protocols to people? Why? Because we want to make it simple for them. We want to make it more attractive because you are satisfied a little bit earlier. It's a very typical marshmallow experiment, right? Because we do not like uncertainty. We do not, we do not wait for materialization of our investment. But by doing nonlinear learning, you're learning how to invest and you're learning how to deal with uncertainty. So that kind of methodology prepares you better for normal life, not life that is being constructed for you, knowing before you take a leap, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So why are we robbing people from experiencing similar uncertainty also in learning so they can become more complex, more flexible, more happy, maybe human beings? I guess for people that come to a workshop then, or they do maybe like your online training, there is a, a certain like first presentation though of, of ideas, right? So is that always like very dynamically changing or like what does that sort of look like then? Well, what it looks like is that I explain to them, okay, we are learning about human motion, communication and life through dynamic, but consistent and evolving physical practice that allow us to move towards a well-being, right? That's the first thing. Then I say that we try to understand totality of ourselves through relations we create. And we try to attend life creatively rather than being mechanical. So we are capable of solving life challenges. And that would come with these three words that I said to you before. I say communication, coordination, and collaboration. And then I say, what does it mean? So I say, coordination is, and I said that sentence before, there are too many things we can do right in a wrong place, in a wrong time. So coordination is about listening. Coordination is about attuning to be versatile and to be able to adjust our behavior to new challenges. Then I say, what does it mean collaborating? So collaboration means that we are through other people because we're dealing with a great amount of uncertainty and risk in our life. So creating meaningful relationships are necessary because they are necessary for self-change. And they say, why? Because you can ask three questions. To what extent do we depend on others to be able to change? 
And you will say, oh, a lot. Then you say, does change of others affect our change? And you say, oh, yes. And what do we need to say, ask, or do, or feel, or share to affect the change? And then the last thing is communication. Knowing what to do when we do not know what to do. That means you, are, you must be very resourceful in understanding how you are solving troubles in your life. And so, first thing is to love life, so to participate in life creatively. And second, to solve life challenges. That's all we need to be uh, kind of uh, looking for. And then you say, okay, so I need a method. I need a, I need a practice. I need a dynamic practice that allows me to do so. And so what, is, what, is, what are the uh, like, uh, key ingredients of a practice that allows me to solve life challenges? So first one is I need a feedback tool through which I can recognize that I'm in a trouble or might get in a trouble. Secondary, I need adaptive cognitive or physical tools to correct the error. And the third thing is to create a thinking models and to keep alive thinking models. They allow me to plan better and achieve my future goals. So that would be like the base. And once I have this base out of this base, I can create whatever I want. It gives me a very powerful matrix that cannot miss the point in any domain, in any, any sport or any, uh, any practice or job you have in your life. So it's like you give or you develop this sort of level of common understanding from which then when you provide certain suggestions of tasks and things that they, then they can move forward with that common understanding to, to learn in that specific way, which you are helping guide them through. Right. Yes. Of course, some people come to us because they have specific challenges. So if someone says I have a regular inflammation in my joints, then yes, we still come with the broad values, like we explain the values and we understand that why it might be. And then we focus on we having a look specifically maybe on joints rather than on your speech, right? Mm. So then it is kind of directly, uh, directly more particularly to what is um, main um, challenge that you are facing right now. Uh, because at the end, I explain it like this. We, uh, people ask us, so someone has a problem in the shoulder, right? Someone has a problem in the shoulder and they come to you. And the, the usual way would be, okay, I cannot move my shoulder. I, um, or you have someone who has his whole body is kind of stiff. And so what people say, okay, you need to be more open. You need to kind of open up the range of your motion, etc. And our approach is very, very different, radically different. We say, oh, you be as you are. Don't change anything. It's all fine. You, you arrive to this <laughs> critical out of balance position that's okay no problem at all this is happening to many people first what we will improve is your basic coordination and your rhythm how do you attune to your daily life what is how what is your composition of your life when we create uh, but let's not talk about too 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 abstract i mean how do you walk you know can we make that walking more coordinated not expanding anything just organizing that little energy that you have that little there's little energy i organize better that energy that organization of better energy, not learning you anything new, already create the tastes because that attunement creates a more energy. And that more energy is asking you, oh, can I expand a little bit more? The participant asks you and knows exactly when to ask for more information or more complex motion. But we reverse that. Someone is in a trouble, has very little energy, and we try it from that person to learn even more. And so we deplete that organism even more. 
Instead, you have little, you have almost nothing. Maybe you just had a cancer before. Maybe you had just horrible injury. So why are you putting another information? Why are you overstressing the system? First, you explain to them, you have everything you need to have. You have all the ingredients. You've done nothing wrong. This is not your mistake. So let's first organize your rhythm and coordination. That energy from that attunement will grow. And they, instead of you, they will ask you, could we expand a little bit more on that idea? Could we expand a little bit more on walking? Could we make walking more like a running? Could we make a running more like a boxing? Could we make boxing more like a, a beautiful dance play with my opponent, right? This is a very unique view. I haven't heard it put this way. And yeah, it's almost like you're putting this sense of responsibility and empowerment onto themselves and this curiosity, which then after they hopefully become more aware of how they are organizing, that it's almost natural to be like, oh, maybe with my organism, I can do a little bit more, right? I don't have to do just walking and then that becomes maybe more intrinsic in the motivation to then to then perform more complex movements because everyone's been to the physiotherapist before right and you come back and you got this list of like five exercises that you have to do and almost no, no one them. everyone doesn't does them so yeah i think it's the problem that everyone sort of encountered so um yeah i i really like this this approach um and but what i wanted yeah, to ask you is about how this if you do see like a lot of people in this energy De, uh, depleted state where things such as like 12 minute abs does really appeal to them right so how can we communicate with maybe these certain individuals to to help them i guess break that cycle okay first of all you have no obligation to to con convince them that what you do is better than what they are mm. doing. If they want to go 12 weeks program, they can do this for the rest of their life. Maybe it works for them. Mm. So I, I'm liberated from not trying to convince anyone. That's a great energy release. I am not anymore questioning, oh, oh please, why not whole world is looking at what I'm doing. It's just natural when you make something more difficult for people that not everyone will be looking at it. It looks too complex. It looks too effortful to... Uh, pass through the first stage. Everyone tries to make easy first entrance. What we are doing, we're making the first entrance very, very complicated. But if you learn that complication at the beginning, if you pass through that ordeal at the beginning of the practice, then you're becoming independent rather than having an easy accent and, accent and then be access and then be constantly dependent on the next step of the teacher. I teach you in a, from very first class, you are teaching people to be independent. And so they grow in independency. They are not being more depleted and more bound to what I do, but they are more like pushed by me to do something what they want to do. What we are doing together, we are meeting and checking up a kind of exchanging information if you are still on a good track or if something goes maybe mm. wrong in an approach. That's all, that's all our responsibility. There is no any other responsibility. So, um, yeah. Do you think that to then jump through that hoop where that entrance is like quite complicated, then that sort of person has to be ready in this energy surplus state? Because I guess when faced with challenging tasks like that, 
uh, I know when I'm really down as well, you kind of don't want to do anything. Right. So, um, yeah. How, how do you sort of view, view that? Uh, listen, I, I think it's opposite. Vegan mainly people, they come because they are in energy depletion. Mm. That's why they come. When, they have, when you have energy and when you're healthy, you don't care about disorders of your organism. Everything works well, so why would be paying attention, right? Why would be spending time on any zero forms? What's going on there with this fighting monkey stuff, right? Mm. Why would be testing my knowledge in a different various situations? But there comes a moment when somehow something goes wrong and then you need to find, am I resourceful enough to solve it? So usually when people are well, then they don't come. When people are not well, they come immediately because they say, oh, if I keep on going, doing what I'm doing, I'll be in a trouble very soon. So can I now with this little that I have, can I now restructure and speculate what would be more kind of effective thinking model for my far future so I can better forecast my future plans and my future actions and my future tasks? Can I change them from completing goals into creating a beautiful creative opportunities, let's say. You change the language as well. And only the changing a language, changing a perspective, changes everything in that approach. We, what, what, uh, what we usually do to people, we, we have a two type of trainings. One type of training is I kind of suggest to you that there is this kind of ideal you, right? There's this ideal place. So it is like I do uh, Tai Chi and this is, there is this ideal or there's this yoga and there's this ideal postures and ideal movement, etc. That's one type of thing. The other type of training is there is some kind of something extraordinary. So there is something like, wow, if I do that muscle up or if I do that, I don't know, that flip or if I do that spin and then I dunk into a basketball hoop, that's, so that's like a pushing somewhere. And then there is what we call this zero forms is that you observe where you are in today's state. This is not state compared to healthy or sick. This is the only state you're in. You woke up in your certain state, physiological state. Um, you, you, you have a certain attunement. You woke up. You, maybe you've done something tiring yesterday or maybe you're looking forward towards the day or maybe you're tired of going into the day because you see so many troubles are there. From that zero, you create a practice that would allow you to improve a current situation without comparison to being sick or healthy if that makes sense. Because there is nothing like that. You cannot be thinking, oh, yesterday I was more healthy than today. No, there is the only one experience that you have. The experience is that today, now, I feel a little bit weak or I cannot focus very much. How does that practice, that zero forms, that the basic ones that we've been talking about, that individual practice, how that practice can improve that current state that I am in? without forcing me to go to some kind of ideal or some kind of extraordinary, right? To complete some special program. No, I need to modulate my practice and I need to understand how I can modulate practice in order to benefit myself in that particular complex moment that I found myself. And there, the protocols, there, the fixed programs basically do not work because you don't know how to apply them in a million different situations and states that you might find yourself in. So how does that then fit in? Say if someone came and they still wanted like the muscle up, right? For, for whatever reason, it's like always been the dream. How, how is that placed then within the context of this wider practice? 
Mm. Well, we don't, we cannot, of course, we cannot accommodate all the needs. So mm. first, like in a, when we talk about zero forms, you basically have a five elements that you're working on. First element is kind of controlled articulation. This would be similar like you would see in a, maybe a qigong, you would something like going through the joints and understanding the original, what is the like original openness of your joints and how you can regain their revitalizing your joints, basically, mm -hmm. trying to slow down the entropy. And joint is very beautiful element because through joint, you can see how the energy travels, right? Mm -hmm. Through your joints and health of your joints, I understand many things, not only about your muscles, ligaments, and tendons, but also about your nervous system, but also about the function of your organs in a deeper level. So that's one thing that happens kind of on standing position, working with the gravity, never laying on the, on the floor. The second thing that we work in zero, zero forms, it's coordination. So this kind of more locomotory um, kind of um, a locomotory action. So we are learning how you coordinate the whole body as a whole, as a dynamic whole and elastic whole. So you can create, this is coordinations that are before any aesthetical or cultural approach. So how do we coordinate as human beings in motion without any cultural additives? So this is before sports specific coordination, etc. Then we work with improvisation. Improvisation is how you shuffle those things and how we can explore things that maybe do not have a meaning, how we can recompose your body in an absolutely sensational configurations that are, might be necessary for your wrestling, for your, for your striking or for the dancing or whatever you would be doing in your life. Then we work with stillness and voice. So this is kind of five elements. Outside of those elements, so another layer, when we start to exchange information with the other people, meaning when we start to do these movement situations, is a second layer, and they do not happen always separately, right? There we work mainly with games that would be related to something like striking and wrestling. So if you look for the strength, you're going to find the strength with working with another human being. I'm not as interested for you to do muscle, but I'm very interested if you can lift a person, if you can wrestle a person, if you can listen to the motion of another person, how smart you are developing your strength while something is moving and thinking. So you have a, you have a barbell. You have a, a barbell is a good example or weightlifting. Okay, let's do weightlifting. This is very beautiful because it's very popular, right? <laughs> so you, you are a weightlifter. Very good. You probably, by weightlifting, you have a very good jumping. Correct or not? We, we all identify that if you do weightlifting, you jump very good. You have very strong legs. Very good. But, you know, I, I, was, I was playing basketball. I was, um, when I was young, I was selected to a national team. I never continued. I went into art, but I have a good experience there. And we had guys already in that time, they were dunking like crazy, never ever lifting up any weights. And we can see this phenomenon also now, you know, so it is not always related that the weightlifting will necessarily make you jump higher. The other additional problem there is that you do weightlifting, but I play basketball with other people. So you will be jumping the highest. So let's say we agree, okay, people will be making a lot of arguments. Yes, Joseph, you're not right. You need to do weightlifting to have stronger ties. And I say, okay, 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 no problem. But imagine that someone lifts the weight and someone plays basketball. That someone who plays basketball maybe jumps lower, but is able to find a place and time to receive the ball and actually jump and dunk or shoot the ball into a basket. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You can be lifting the weight, okay? but I'm lifting the weight of another human being. And that other human being does not want to be lifted. He goes like doing everything in the world, not be able to be caught. So it's like you are lifting an animal. 
So who is going to be stronger? The one who lifts the weight or the one who lifts the body? Mm. And of course, it depends in the environment. Like if you do only weightlifting in your life, then you do not have to do anything else. But if you talk about the life in general, I want to work with another human being. Because working with another human being means, or many human beings, if you work in a group, you can change the, you can exchange the strategies. You can create a counter strategies. You can create a different communication channels. You can create a, you can change the way you are communicating. You're constantly adapting because humans are changing. And that's such a dynamic field that I can't compare it with anything else. So who would care about muscle up? No one. Who cares about handstand? No one. Who cares about squatting? No one. Because I get all of that strength with working with another human being. Oh, maybe I'm not in good in the bar, but I definitely can throw someone over my back. Mm-hmm. So I am kind of interested in more, more primitive kind of sense. So I, 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 would, be, I would be looking at a, at a warrior African tribes and I say, oh, we, we play with the music. We stay in a circle. There's no one central teacher. We all learn from each other. We copy different styles. So there is a great diversity, right? Like in a wrestling, there is no one, one, uh, one uh, costume. There is no black belt. There is no blue belt. There is like no belt. Everyone is naked except for your tides or what do you have on yourself. <laughs> And then we are playing music and then we are dancing and after dancing, we are singing. And then we, sometimes we dance alone. Sometimes we dance with the others. Sometimes we sing alone. Sometimes we sing as a whole group and then we are wrestling together and then we are going for a hunt. And you know, I have a great uh, hunting is appearing in all my talks because I'm coming from a hunter's family. And so, you know, so for, for me that kind of developing in a social and physical environment is most important. So I love to work with another human beings and there I would like to gain a strength. I was working with this very beautiful um, Georgian wrestler uh, and uh, he's a great coach and he has a strong ties. And, and he was lifting in an incredible way, the people. And I said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm fishing all the time. I try to find out if my theory is the right theory. And I said to him, did you lift the weights? And this is, what, what weights? I lift thousand times, thousand people, he said. That's how I got my strength. And I, I see these guys and I see these older coaches because I now I work with a national coach and his son is one of the, one of the best uh, junior uh, wrestlers in the world. And, uh, you know, he's a, a kind of older guy, or like 10 years older than I am. And his spine is perfect. His joints are, he's still lifting me and wrestling with young people. And, and, I, and I love that youth, that, didn't, that they went very far and they didn't abuse themselves. While this culture is always asking people to abuse themselves, we are, we are like crazy. Why are we abusing our bodies so much? Mm. So do you, do, you, do you sort of see like the keys of, of youth to sort of stay with more within these, these limits to, to not always over, overexert? Well, everyone has to do what they believe in, right? Mm-hmm. So my role now in this, maybe also in this podcast video is not to preach for anything. What, mm-hmm. Only what I'm saying and what I see is that when I work with other people, when I play with them more harshly or more in a kind of, making a scent castles with my son is place where I learn more than learning from some kind of rule-based protocols or man-made programs. The challenge there is that how you organize that kind of learning for more people, but it seems like it's working well, man. 
the people that they come, they feel kind of transformed. They maybe they are lost that sometimes they like don't know where they are at the moment. It says, would, would you give me something in my hand to read? Or would you give me some protocols or would you give me some lineup? But I say, no, believe in yourself. You, you are an extraordinary human being by being yourself. That's what makes you extraordinary. You're not extraordinary by doing extraordinary. You're extraordinary by understanding better who you are and what your context is. What are like some of the beautiful moments that you've witnessed within your students when, they, when you sort of guided them through this process? What was the most beautiful and most painful, you have to say? It's most beautiful is that they become greater than I am. And it's also very painful. <laughs> because, <laughs> because this is like a Lord of the Rings, you know, like you always want to possess the ring and be the strongest and be the wizard. Mm. But the truth is, if you're teaching people in a good way, they will become better than you, which is extremely scary. So, and you do not want to do that because imagine your student becomes better while well, he opens his own whatever school or, you know, people start to follow them. And so you, you have the feeling, oh, I will not belong. I will not have students. And so we are scared and we do not want to share the information with our mm. students, right? But we should be teaching them, giving them the origins of the forms we've been learning from so they can take the material, mold it, re-change it, this kind of plastic modulation of our brain and make something greater out of it, you know? Why you would be, we always like to pull the students down. No, you have to give them wings. You have to like kick them in their ass all the time so they can smile and meet life with the joy and with, the, with their um, um, powerful plasticity of their brain plasticity. But that brain, that brain plasticity needs to be kind of nourished through the practice. This doesn't come, you know, like we talk about neuroplasticity. Okay, we, we have, if I oversimplify, we have some kind of three type of plasticities and one is developmental plasticity, which is expected through like an encoding, right? And proper development of, a, of an embryo and an early childhood and everyone will be walking, talking and create a self image, right? But the quality of that maturation of that organism depends on environment, depends on in which environment and how complex that environment was. And so this is this kind of modulative capacity of our nervous system so we are able to learn and learn in order to learn something new and then there is third one this is reparative plasticity it means that if something dies in your brain there's some other structures other other networks can kind of compensate or, or take that responsibility on themselves even if there would not be a hundred percent maybe a recovery but in order to have kind of cognitive reserve in order to have the capacity in your life you need to teach people in creative way so that creativity kind of, they are forced to be creative. You are forcing them to not give them material so they have to make their own search. So you are teaching them to be plastic in their nervous system and elastic in their bodies. You don't want them to stretch all the time. You don't want to make them isolated, a kind of joint articulation. You don't want to make some range functioning training. No, you want them, they coordinate, they are becoming rhythmically better organized, right? Mm -hmm. you, are, you are helping them to understand the principles and so they can be resourceful enough by themselves to find a system, to find an application that would be valuable for them. Hmm. And you've mentioned a lot about like, yeah, working with a, with a partner. Um, so how, how much 
do you normally see like working with a partner versus, you know, is there some aspect of the practice, which is maybe this is the zero forms, right? Which is uh, more, more solo, uh, mm-hmm. you know, coming from my sort of my sort of training, you know, especially in, in the COVID days, you know, you're, you're very by yourself all, all the time. I guess when you've already mentioned about the importance of, of partner work. So yeah, what, what do we do during these days maybe where sometimes like enrolling a partner can be quite difficult to do on a regular basis or maybe you're on your you're more isolated like how can you sort of uh still communicate mm-hmm. well um i believe that even in time of COVID, we can still find partners and be responsible and practice together. There are ways to do it. You have tests, you have, you can be careful, you can, you can find a way, but we can leave the aside. We can be talking, okay, if you're alone, if it happens that you're alone, still your practice is about nature, in nature, with nature. So there is a great partner and that is your physical environment within which you can study many things. Your partner can be a, a, a wind, your partner can be a cold, your partner can be observation of clouds, your partner can be observation of water and how it flows and how does that relate to your energetical meridians. If you would be talking about traditional Chinese medicine, oh, you can observe the transformation of the water in nature so we can understand better how your kidneys are working, what's the function of the sun and what's the function of the, of the moon and how the celestial bodies, how, the, how we are working in a solar system, how, how it seasons they change and how weather is changing and uh, what are the weather capsules, etc. So you can, through environment, you can learn quite a lot about your own body. So this would be your partner where maybe you could go to see animals. We, as, when I was younger and I went for a hunt with my father, we went to observe animals. And to see animals in their natural environment is um, more than valuable. This is not like watching zoo or watching animals through our National Geographic. We kind of feel more familiar that we know wild animals. Mm-hmm. while in fact, we never saw any in our life. How many people have seen wild animals in their lives? It's very difficult. You really need to take time. You need to take a backpack and go and wait and observe. So that would be a beautiful individual practice. And you in Australia, you have like endless opportunities to go to swim with crocodiles <laughs> <laughs> and do some body body wrestling uh, there and uh, then collect your limbs. Straight after this this talk, I'll um, I'll get get ready and I'll uh, put myself into into the practice. <laughs> But it's very true, right? That's why I guess, you know, we have these institutions called zoos, right? Because animals become a spectacle with in your like, oh, like I, I, I see these things. So I, I really like this suggestion, right? Um, I think it draws back to this thing that we're, we are all relational and it doesn't have to be with like another human, but, you know, it can be with an object or something that occurs within nature as well. And we can use mm-hmm. that to, to our advantage. So yeah, that's got me thinking in a, in a really unique way, but um, you mentioned a little bit about, you know, your childhood before, and I wanted to ask when you were young, did you, did you think that you were going to maybe become a teacher in this domain? Oh, no. And I, and I still think this will all transform, but um. Uh, I was like, I was very lucky, you know, who, who I am. And if you would meet me, I am constructed through the network of minds of other people. What I have 
of what is the kind of cooking in me is not at all mine. You know, I, I was lucky enough to meet people, humans that were inspiring for me to become a curious about life. Mm. And to sprung this curiosity about life, I, I wish to kind of transfer it to other people as well. I, you need to know that my father was forcing me when I was young to, and you need to force kids a little bit, you know, it's going to be too democratic. It has to be a little bit like, yeah, you have to do this. You know, we were forced to be in a nature and that's mm. painful. Being in a nature is not easy. Like when, okay, maybe in Australia it's warm or whatever, but in Slovakian winter is minus 25 and, and that's not easy. Mm. And so and the packing and going and getting dirty and it's all exciting afterwards, but it's that initial thing, you know, like, oh, I could sit at home and just watch TV would be just so much easier. But my father always forced me <laughs> in, a, in the right way, not in a bad way. He forced me to go outside and, and see things. And he also kind of forced me to create a relation with my body. It means that he asked me to be physically engaged in sports, etc. But I also had allo parents. Allo parents is other parents, parents of other children, right? So I, I was always independent. I escaped from one training. So my father asked me to go for one training and I refused. I really didn't want, I didn't like it. It was, was enough for me. Already in that time, in the very early age, I, I kind of saw some kind of independence or power to kind of break rules even of my parents. And so I wandered in a city. Instead of going in the, into into place where I train, I just, I just left. I came there. I said, that's enough. That's the last time I'm doing this in my life. And I went for a walk. And I was walking in the city. I saw one, one building. And on the building was written the Ljudova Škola Umenia, which means the Folk School of Art or something like that. And you know that the young boy, I don't know, maybe seven years old, maybe eight, I don't know, like with that small backpack traveling through the city, I went inside and I said, what are you doing here? And there were these two figures, very tall men, very slim, and another one, small one, thicker with a big beard. And he says, well, the small one says, I'm doing a puppet theater and I'm creating a puppets. And the tall one says, well, I'm teaching kids how to play theater. I'm like, yeah, it seems like I arrived to really best place in my life. <laughs> and, so, and so I stayed there for a few hours. And since then, I was learning with them about theater and understood that theater is very important because it teaches you how to communicate, teaches you how to convey the words of other people, how to write text, how to be exposed, how to be on the stage, how to recite a poem maybe, right? Or how to, how to sing, how to play and create a dialogue with someone else. So I was very well equipped there. And then I left them and I went back again to sports. And in the meantime, we were doing hunting with my father and a lot of in nature. And then I met someone on the street and I asked him, what are you doing? And then someone said, oh, I'm playing basketball. And I said, could I also play basketball? And he says, yes, you are tall. You can play a basketball. And next day I went to play basketball. And two and a half years later, I was... I was, I was in a quite good level playing basketball. Mm. And then my father asked me, what are you going to do? Now it's university time. And he said, don't worry, Joseph, you are stupid and strong. And so I can always get you a job in the police. And, um, and I said, oh, no, no, don't worry. I was doing uh, a theater when I was a child. I'm going to become an actor. And I said, wait, wait, wait. There's so much of auditions. You will never be able to get there. And so I said, oh, don't worry about that. So I again took my backpack and I went to audition to our, uh, in our university of acting. And yes, I was selected. And since then I started to study acting and in end of the acting, 
I went to play in a national theater. I got a, a chance to play in a national theater already when I was as a student. But at some point I said, no, this is not for me. So again, I took a backpack and I started to do something else. And that kind of traveling and tasting and exploring kind of stayed with me to the last moment. And it's not like I was escaping from one thing to another because everything that was there before was nourished afterwards. So theater that I left when I was a child and finished maybe 12 years old was picked up when I was 18. And sport that I started early in my life was picked up when I was 14. And then it was picked up later on when I was over 20, et cetera, et cetera. So it has this very beautiful, very spontaneous kind of flow. Mm. I like this layering effect because normally sometimes people have these pivots in their life, I think, where they're like, oh, I want to do something else, but it feels like you're giving up everything in one area to do another, right? And uh, sort of see it as two separate things. Um, and, I, I, and I like this thing about the backpack. I, I still hope you have this magical pack backpack because it seems like it, it leads you to some, some great <laughs> places. Um, but uh, with, with your current sort of research at the moment and where you're looking at now, like, yeah, where do you, where do you look around to? Well, I'm looking out how to empty up the backpack so it doesn't become too heavy, so I don't become burdened by what I have learned. Hmm. So um, my, my, my main interest now is to have an ability to clean. Hmm. So ability to clean my joints and wash my bones and clean up my language and do less and um, have capacity by being more empty in my backpack to be able to listen better to other people. And so maybe let's listen better to how to evolve the whole practice and offer something more valuable for people around me. So this is my current research. My current research is about how we can empty up better, how we can come up with uh, more interesting models that are more adaptive, not maybe oversimplified. So it's not like I'm looking for E equal MC square. So, so it's so elegant and it's a one line, hmm. maybe not even three lines where we can describe the whole current physics. But I'm looking, for, I'm looking for a model that is open enough to be solidified and then dissolved when necessary and being able to absorb the new informations that are valuable for the further research. At this point, I've really understood that if we want to age better, we, we need to understand how to dance better, how to dance better with the gravity, how to dance better with other people. And I think that this is becoming more and more core of my understanding that this rhythm, this musicality that we create is so, so important. How we sound as ourselves, how we, how we move in our very special, unique constitution, how we, how we understand how, how beautiful it is to exchange in harmony uh, energy with others. And in harmony, I mean, even when I wrestle, it can be a harmony. It can be very beautiful, very harmonic exchange, even if you are toppled down and someone is kind of, make you not breathe and squeezing your face or whatever but this can be equally equally harmonic as when i walk alone in a in a park or whatever and, and who's like the oldest participant that you've guided through in the in the fighting monkey practice i'm interested oh yes we not necessarily me but if we would be talking about my students they work with people that, that have uh, advanced um um, progression of Alzheimer or um, dementia. So mm. they are really old uh, just before maybe they will pass away and they really enjoy playing with those concepts. And, and, and because the 
young people have really strong physical practice, but the principles are clear. They are very clearly, they can be very easily applicable to people that are already having some degenerative disease in the neuromuscular system or in a nervous system. And there is this, they understand the playfulness, they understand how the, how the practice is modular and how it can be um, less intensive and then more playful and how then can they find an application to maybe help, help the people that are in need. Hmm. And final question, I guess, if you had the chance to, I don't know, be broadcasted across TV on the world for like 10 seconds and they were like, Joseph, this is your time. What would you like to say? Is there any sort of special message that you'd, you would share with you with the world? Wow. <laughs> but there's like a lot of 10 seconds to say something that like a message for the, for the rest of the world. Um, <laughs> oh, it's like there, there's like a there are many conflicting um uh, there's like a one thought competes with another you know like uh, now it's a war in my brain like what, <laughs> uh, you know uh dalai lama said something very beautiful in one interview and he said i see you but you're a little bit blurred and it's a very beautiful sentence to express that yes things seem to be real but they are always transforming and the question is, are we able to observe the transformation? Are we able to observe the transformation in ourselves so we can readjust our actions and our love to life so we don't become mechanical uh, about the way we are living, not seeing the faces of our children, just forgetting how beautifully they evolve. There's a beautiful words to end the, the interview on. And I thank you for your time, Yosef. I'm going to get you. ready to wrestle some crocodiles um and <laughs> pick <laughs> yeah. up your link in the backpack <laughs> um yeah i uh, i guess uh, for anybody listening and who wants to find out more about fighting monkey is there is the best place to go to the, the website or what do you guys prefer yeah. yeah website and social media i share quite a lot of information there awesome well i'll include all those links in the show notes um and i just wonder yeah, just say thank you for sparing all those thoughts and, you know, wrestling with that difficult question at the end. <laughs> thank you, Fionn. And I wish all Australians to be well and don't worry too much about isolation. Just all will be soon in, in balance again, dynamic balance. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Episode 30 of The Passive Hang. That's a wrap. Thanks to Yosef for jumping on the podcast. Really appreciate that. Appreciate him sparing the time. I think he's one of the greatest thinkers that I've had the pleasure of sitting down and having a chat with. You know, that conversation was really beautiful. A lot of great parts that I will enjoy listening back over again. The way he talks about energy really resonates with me and aligns with how I have also been starting to form my view in terms of energy cultivation. So I hope you guys got something out of that too. Thanks once again, just for sticking around. And I really appreciate all those people who have also reached out and given me feedback. It means a lot to me. It is really, really great because it helps me improve on how I'm going here. And also I appreciate being seen. So thank you. And once again, I got a lot more great episodes coming up. Stick around. If you enjoy it, please share it around. It really helps me reach more people and hopefully connect with more people. That's it for today and I will see you in the next episode.